Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. A win over the Detroit Pistons usually isn't that much to write home about these days. Our friends in Motown are in what we call a rebuild, a massive, long-term rebuild. So taking down the Pistons, not that big of a deal. But with the win and a Phoenix Suns beat down by the hands of the Boston Celtics, the team that is currently in first place in the Western Conference standings in the NBA is none only than the New Orleans Pelicans. Who had that on your bingo card? 605 on <laughs> this December day. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parch III, joined, of course, by Miss Hannah Five Names back in the studio. Appreciate Blaine Viator filling in yesterday, helping out your boy. We got a good show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking McNeese men's basketball with second-year head coach John Aiken. He'll be joining us coming up at 7 o'clock this morning. They're flying out for a road trip. Going to catch them before that. Got to win earlier this week. Does Coach Aiken feel like the Cowboys are turning a corner? We'll talk to him about that and so much more coming up at 7 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. We're going to talk New Orleans Saints. Mark Ingram injury. Hey, we're going to dive into that a little bit in this hour as well. As well as the New Orleans Pelicans. Then at 8.15, George Faust, the sports director from KLFY, the king of Acadiana Sports Media, will join us. Going to preview high school football playoff state championship games. VC plays tonight against Wachita Christian. That's supposed to be kicking off at 7 o'clock. You can listen to it on our sister station, 106.3 Radio Lafayette, with Craig Wall and Ward Corville on the call. We'll also talk a little Raging Cajuns with George as well. And then at 8.30, our old friend Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, NFL reporter, columnist. He'll give his thoughts on the state of the league as it stands right now. So, so much to get to. Winter meetings for Major League Baseball, a ton of money being spent, being just handed out. Brinks trucks of money just being delivered to free agents. Surprisingly, a couple teams quiet. Astros, Braves, Dodgers. It's interesting. Those are your last three World Series champions, by the way. Not overspending in free agency. Just like to point that out. Of course... We'll take your phone calls. Love to hear from you. You know that. Game hotline's always open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But we got to start off with these pills. The New Orleans Pelicans are in first place in the Western Conference. What? 
What? Zion, he has adjusted to playing with his teammates quicker than I anticipated. Now, whether or not that is Zion making the adjustment of figuring out when to be unselfish, not to have the have to have the ball go through him, or whether that's his teammates figuring out, hey, we'll sacrifice our shot selection, we'll sacrifice how we do, so Zion could have the ball, or just Willie Green just figuring it out. I don't know which one it is, but it's working. It's working. Zion had himself 29 points and 10 rebounds in last night's 104-98 win where they were able to hold off the Pistons. Pistons made a game of it late. They fight. They just don't have enough talent. It's the Pelicans' fifth straight victory on the season. And mind you, Brandon Ingram has missed time. C.J. McCollum has missed time. Zion even missed a few games. And despite that, this team now sits at 16-8 and eight overall and in first place in the Western Conference. It's uh, amazing. And what I like what I've seen from Zion is there's been unselfish play on the court. He's also a guy that's kind of growing into this role of firing up the crowd, firing up his teammates. You've seen it in games this season. And that's not necessarily something you saw early in his career. So maybe the year away, missing all of last season due to the injury, maybe he's now grown into this role where he realizes, hey, there's something special here. I need to step up my game on the court, but I also need to be that guy. I need to be the alpha dog. We've talked a lot on this show about Zion kind of having a passive personality, right? He's a fun-loving kid. A lot of times when you're young, you're a youngster, especially guys that get put into the NBA, if you're a nice kid, you're just a big kid, you don't necessarily feel comfortable being in that leadership role. Not everyone comes out like Kobe or LeBron early in their career and say, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm good. There's a learning curve. And even for those guys, it took them a while to adjust. And a lot of times they leaned on older teammates or they butted heads with guys. It really took them a little while to kind of figure it all out. Is that what we're seeing with Zion? Maybe. It feels that way. It looks that way. He gets his teammates involved. He gets them fired up. Gets the crowd fired up. He's focused. He's lean. He's moving out there on the court. He looks good. And you're getting guys out there that are also contributing around him. B.I. has had that left foot injury. So Trey Murphy, the third. Mama gave him the third. Got to respect him. As a fellow third, I'm always pointing it out. Trey steps in, starting for B.I., and hit four threes. Finished with 20 points. Helped the Pelicans 
get to win number 10 in the last 12 games. 10 of their last 12. Five straight. Valachunas just does what he does seemingly every night. Good old pedestrian double-double, 14 and 12. Najee Marshall, which a lot of New Orleans media folks and people that are fans of the team say that's that guy that's got that dog in him. Yep, he added 17 points. Including a key putback that made it 100 to 94 with only 29 seconds left. They get contributions from multiple guys. Remember a couple years ago when it was just either B.I. or Zion, it was Feast or Fathom, and everyone else was just kind of there? You get some contributions some nights from Lonzo Ball. You get some nights from Hart or Jackson Hayes. That's not how this team is built. I've been immensely critical of David Griffin. And I've been somewhat critical of Zion. They figured it out. I did not expect them to be this good this early in the season. I did not expect them to be able to play this well without an all-star like Brandon Ingram missing time. I didn't expect Zion to be this in shape and this motivated and this focused. He is taking his game to the next level, and we're watching it live in person. And the moves Griff made after three years of terrible moves, because let's be honest, he made a lot of bad moves. They're starting to pay off. Getting C.J. McCollum at the trade deadline last year, hiring Willie Green, finally figuring it out with a head coach. The young players respect them, and they did great draft picks. They've done a great job with that, with Herb Jones and Trey Murphy. They're finding guys that actually know their role. They got the right mix. They have the chemistry that you need to be a contender. Now, the big question mark for them is, can they stay healthy? Can Zion be healthy? Can they actually be able to go out there and be healthy all at the same time? McCollum, Ingram, Zion. It's tough. NBA's a long season. Takes a long time to get there sometimes. Pelicans will host the Phoenix Suns on Friday night. First place in the Western Conference will be on the line. The Suns will be looking to bounce back after being absolutely humiliated last night by the Celtics. Just taken to the woodshed and given a good old-fashioned spanking. It's not even a spanking. I'm not even saying the G on the end. I'm saying spanking. Like a good old-fashioned country spanking. That's what happened to the Suns last night. When you just look at this team, how balanced they are. Three starters and double figures last night. Of course, Zion led the way with 29. But C.J. McCollum gives you eight points, four assists, three rebounds. You get the 17 off the bench from Marshall. And seemingly every night, the rotation that Willie Green utilizes contributes on offense and defense. Now, could they be a better three-point shooting team? Yes. Could there, are there times where they could play better defense? Yes. But I could make that argument for every single team in the NBA. But this team 
is figuring it out. They're figuring it out. And they're doing so right now without Herb Jones, without Brandon Ingram. They've won 10 of 12, five straight, without two of their starters in the lineup for the most part. That's a big flex. Yes. Hannah, big flex. We're seeing the Pelicans come together. We're seeing a young team gel. We're seeing Zion Williamson take his game to that next level. It's finally happening. Now, will it last for the entire season? Will he stay healthy for the entire season? Is this team going to be able to avoid dipping down into a valley? I don't know. I don't have those answers. Not that smart. But it sure does feel like it. It sure does feel like it. We've got a poll question of the day for you. With the Pelicans in first place, are you now buying them as a legit contender? Yes, maybe, no. That's our poll question of the day. Go vote on it. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. No shenanigans on this glorious Thursday morning. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll stay in the Crescent City. News came out about Mark Ingram. Guess what? Injured. Guess what? I brought up, it sure did appear he was injured in the game, and I was told, nonsense, he could still got a yard. Guess who was injured in the game? And now his season and his career is probably over. Mark Ingram. We'll talk about that next. Coming up right here. On the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. That's right, $500 Visa gift card. That can come in handy, especially for some last-minute shopping. It's the Christmas Comes Early sweepstakes presented by Almertar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early sweepstakes powered by Armitar Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. With the Pelicans now in first place, are you now buying them as a legit contender? 76% of you early on say yes, 12% say maybe, 12% say no. Let's get to some comments. Darren, number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company and possibly number one hater of Zion Williamson. <laughs> I love D, though. I love D. D keeps it real. D's always honest. He does not shy away. Not going to say anything negative about Zion, but can they stay healthy and make a legitimate run in the playoffs? I don't know. Be consistent first. Well, they've won 10 of 12, D, and five straight. That's pretty consistent, right? But I do understand... Some fans' trepidation. Can they sustain this? Now, we see this a lot, right? 
in sports where a team looks really good and they get really hot early on the season, then some injuries, and then they kind of just lose their way. So I, I agree there's some trepidation there. But, you know, they've won 10 to 12. That's pretty consistent. Salty Steve, because he can get the salt in now. Because remember, tomorrow is no salt Friday. He says, somewhere, Prejean is smiling and finally getting paid back for his loyalty. It's early, so remember one thing. The sun shines on every dog's butt now and then. (laughs) And he made sure to capitalize sun. And I'm not for sure if he did that on purpose because they're playing the suns on Friday. Because if he did, bravo. It's next level tweeting. Ralph Bergeron on Twitter says, absolutely, and the Pels formula should send a message to the Saints. Fired Van Gundy after one year. I knew Ralph was going to make this about that. I just knew it. I just knew it. Van Gundy after one year. Same should happen to DA. Suddenly, Louis Prejean's wardrobe has become a lot more valuable. Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie, we need a Louis Prejean Pelicans report. I mean, Louis is kind of big time now. He's in Houston, so we'll, we'll see it. We'll see if the big-timer can spare some time to come on the show. John Paul Cajun Daddy says yes because CJ. Yeah, McCullum, to John Paul Cajun Daddy's point, McCullum has made a huge difference for this team. Like, they're not here right now. They don't have the end of the regular season they had last year and make that playoff run if it's not without the veteran steady presence of CJ McCullum. Willie Green, trust him. He is your leader. Zion is Zion is growing into being the alpha dog. B.I. is an all-star. But C.J.'s the guy, right? He's that kind of quiet vet that without his leadership, without his experience, I don't know if the chemistry of this team is what it is. That's huge. That's a good point by John Paul. Hart says, when Ray told me to simmer down since my excitement from back in the preseason, I knew this. They have quality depth off the bench. Guys come in and are game changers. If one of the starters is having an off night, it doesn't matter so much because they have the talent to level it off. Hashtag go Pels. I did. Hard, I was thinking about you, bud. I wanted you to pace yourself. Plus, didn't want you to get crushed by some preseason hype that we've been fed by the Pelicans the last, you know, three to four years. But now they actually look like they're playing like a contender. Don on Twitter, I've been since preseason. This team not only looks different from last year, but are playing different. They're having fun. They have each other's back. Their chemistry is better than I've ever seen with this team before. In short, they've discovered their identity. I would agree with that as well. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. With the Pelicans in first place, are you now buying them as a legitimate contender? Let's transition over to the Saints. It's the bye week. So, don't have to talk about them losing again. But earlier this week, we had a discussion about Mark Ingram. Not diving to get the first down. And I brought up, it appeared to me on some replays, that he may have been injured. And that I heard some reporters say that he may have been injured. And some folks said, oh, no, Ray, he could have still dove. What are you talking about? Man up. Get that one yard. 
Okie dokie. Well, guess what? Mark Ingram suffered a slight MCL tear last Monday during the team's loss to the Buccaneers. He's going to need, he's going to be out for the rest of the season. And apparently, will now, could end his career. His age, he's in his 30s. He's no longer a full-time running back. He's a backup. Coming off an injury, the likelihood of him ever playing in the NFL again is probably done. And he hurt his knee. Actually hurt his knee before. Dennis Allen caused some confusion here. because Dennis Allen said, Uh, Mark Ingram injured his knee on the play in which he ran out of bounds one yard shy. Well, in fact, if you go back and look through the footage on Monday Night Football, he's wincing in pain the drive prior while he was on the ground rolling around and had to be helped up. We know now that's where he suffered his injury, where he tore his MCL. And the Saints medical staff, despite him being injured, wincing in pain, rolling on the ground on the sideline the previous drive, they're like, bud, you're good to go. Let's roll out there. So the Saints medical staff took a player with an injured knee and inserted him back into the ball game, and he, in fact, Caught a screen pass, and you could tell that something was wrong and that he didn't dive for the first down marker and now has an MCL and now is out for the rest of the year and his career is probably over. Didn't I say when he was talking about any sense of urgency that the medical staff was incompetent? We've talked about that a lot. We've talked about that a lot. Look, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what it feels like to have an MCL tear in my knee. I would assume it's painful. I would assume that a guy that works out all the time that's a professional athlete, if he's wincing on the ground in pain, it probably is a severe injury. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that a pro athlete that's been in the league for more than a decade if he's wincing on the ground in pain, it's probably hurts. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that. And I'm going to say that probably affects how you play the game. Just big leap of faith there. As our friend Ryan Hinton from the Saints Twitter podcast said, Ingram was literally on the ground looking to be in extreme pain. Then the medical staff cleared him, got in the next series, and ran out of bounds before the first down due to him being hurt. When will we get rid of this medical staff? Question mark. It's a good question. Now, we can have a discussion about how back in the day guys played with injuries all the time, and they exactly did. The the back in the 60s and the 70s and even in the 80s when you had guys like you know Deacon Jones and Jack Lambert and Lawrence Taylor and Ronnie Lott and you know, name any Oakland Raider from the 70s. These these guys played 
injured. They played through minor tears in their knees and their elbows and their shoulders. They, you know, just shot themselves up or were shot up and, and did everything. That was a different era. There was a different era. As much as we'd like the modern player to be as tough as we believe them should be because we all grew up watching NFL films and watching the great highlights of tough, hard-hitting plays, we still don't know how pain affects every individual person. Once again, I'm not a doctor, but I know that if I have surgery performed on myself and my wife has the same surgery, we're more than likely going to react to it differently. Our recovery is going to be differently. We're going to behave differently. Our pain threshold is different. Every person's pain threshold is different. Not excusing the fact that he didn't get the first down. To circle back to a conversation we had earlier this week. But we got to stop pretending like we're doctors. And I see it so much on, guys should get... Is your fandom more important than the health of the guy that plays for your team. And for a lot of you, it is. That makes me sad, man. Makes me sad. As Rod Walker, one of the most respected journalists, columnists our state has, for the New Orleans Advocate said, with the latest injury, I don't know if Mark Ingram ever plays again with the Saints or anywhere else. But if he doesn't, Saints fans should appreciate him for the 6,500 yards he got with the Saints and not that one yard he didn't get. This man's career may be over because of some incompetency with the medical staff yet again. Everyone wanted to pour on Mark Ingram earlier this week and blame the loss on him. I want to hear from folks wanting to blame the medical staff because it's been very quiet. You always want to blame the player. How about blaming the team? Their medical staff is awful. Guys, it's awful. Can we go back and examine Michael Thomas multiple times on how they've dealt with that or how they've dealt with Jameis Winston this year? They're not good at their job. You shouldn't have rookies explaining their own injuries. I mean, for real. If you see a guy wincing in pain, he's rolling over, that's an indicator that he's hurt. Yeah, red, red, red flag. Red flag right there. That's usually a red flag. But this is also the same team that allowed a guy with four stress fractures in his back to play mm-hmm. this year. Allowed Michael Thomas to play when he probably shouldn't have. Like, like seeing a guy... Come on now, what are we doing? Go through a drive and, you know, it looks like he's like limping a little bit. Well, if you see him limp for a little bit and he starts walking again, it might not be that bad. Maybe just like rolled his ankle real quick. But, you know, Aaron wears an ankle all the time. I do it every day. But if they're in pain, wincing, in which I feel like the NFL players are a lot tougher than this. They're not going to wince for nothing. They have to be in pain. Obviously. We also waited to do Michael Thomas' surgery till now. And how does Dennis Allen not know? Like, like that, That's the other part I have. How does Allen and Pete Carmichael not know? I have video right here on my phone from the Monday night football broadcast. This was someone filming on their television with their phone, filming the game. 
and shared the clip of Mark Ingram getting injured on the series before he ran out of bounds. He takes the ball. He gets hit while going out of bounds. They do the slow-mo replay after Devin White was trying to get him. I'm sorry, that might have been David, 45. And there he is on the ground. Got his hand over his helmet. He's rolling around. He's trying to get up. He can't. He's got. Then he falls. He rolls back over. He's literally, you can tell, in pain. And then they do the slow-mo of someone trying to tackle him and the way he stepped. And you see how he stepped. And then he falls out of bounds. He injured his knee on that play. How does the head coach and the offensive coordinator who's on the field not see that their guy is injured and not understand that, hey, there may be something wrong with one of our guys? Like, honestly. Once again, everyone wanted to pour it on and put it on Mark Ingram's shoulders. And I got accused of defending Mark Ingram. No. This team, this franchise is incompetent from top to bottom right now. And the medical staff is a bigger issue than you guys want it to be. I'm telling you. It's a far bigger and more dangerous issue for this franchise than people want to admit. We got to take a timeout. Love to hear from you. Phone lines are open. 337-706-0111. We'll talk about this and so much more coming up right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. RP3 came to the station this morning to do only two things. Kick some ass and drink some beer. Looks like we're almost out of beer. Well, it's kind of early for the latter, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. Maybe just a root beer or some flavored water. Back to more kick-ass sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite quartz and marble here in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you heard me tell you before, Chris and his team over at LMG provides more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new line of grout-free showers. That's right, no muss, no fuss, and guess what? In a few years, you don't have to worry about the odor. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their soon-to-be-renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. Pelicans sit in first place in the Western Conference standings. Are you buying them now as a legit contender? Yes, no, or maybe we want to hear from you. Go vote and then leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We've also touched on the Pelicans being in first place. We touched on Mark Ingram's injury, and apparently it happened in the game. And then they put him back in there injured. And now his season and more than likely his career is probably over. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Jonathan, who's been patiently waiting. Jonathan, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind, my friend? How we doing, Mr. Raymond? I'm doing good, bud. I'm doing good. How about you? Doing good, doing good. 
just a little text off about how Ingram was getting a lot of cash back on the fact that he couldn't make one yard. And like the beat writer said, you know, 6,500 yards compared to one yard, they see that and they don't look at the fact that this guy was injured on the previous play. And here it is. The medical staff sees for that, oh, he could go back in and he can't make that yard. So now he gets all the backlash. You put that on the head coaching and the medical staff. I, I love Kevin Quick to death, but he he's rough on our our guy. You know, he put in a lot of blood, sweat, tears over the years, and here it is. He didn't make one yard by stepping out of bounds. When okay, I guess you could blame Andy Dalton because he threw it on third and one when Drew Brees was running a one yard quarterback sneak for years. So again, you blame that on coaching. You don't put that on one individual. It's a team effort. I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. Jonathan, appreciate the phone call, bud. Look, I, I, it's always a team effort. And, look, I, I get Foote's argument earlier this week about it being 100% play, okay, that there was no one around, Devin White was conceding, that the only thing Mark had to do was fall forward. And, and I get that. I, I, I really do. Even though I don't necessarily – buy into that being the sole reason why the Saints lost, because that's just not how I look at it. I can get that point of view, but now we have information that lets us know that the guy who ran out of bounds was injured, had suffered a slight MCL tear in his knee on the previous possession. He wasn't even held out of a series. Like, they didn't hold him out of a series to evaluate him and then put him back in. They put him back in the very next series. So, how are you helping your team? How are you helping the player? To take away helping the player and the player's safety. We know NFL teams and the NFL does not do not care whatsoever about the health and safety of their players. They don't. That's been well documented by people far smarter than me that know how to use bigger medical terms. Okay? But how does this help your team? How does it help your team seeing that a guy's wincing in pain, that he's hurt, putting him in the game? How does that help your team? There's got to be some accountability here, and it's easy to make Ingram the scapegoat like everyone wanted to earlier this week. But now that you have this information, do you still feel that way? Once again, I'm not a doctor. But I would imagine when I see a professional athlete roll around on the ground wincing in pain, that he's probably pretty hurt. And when you experience pain, it affects your job. I don't care who you are, if you're a truck driver, if you're a waitress, if you're a radio host or an athlete. If you're dealing with pain, it affects your performance. It affects your decision-making, everything, plain and simple. Let's head back out to the hotline. Welcome on Joe to the show. Joe, good morning. What's on your mind? Good morning. I have a question about the injury aspect of the game. If if a player says, I'm good to go, put me back in the game, does the medical team have the power to say no or does the coach have to step in and say, no, don't don't let him back in? Because the, the players probably have big personalities. 
and they started powerful. Do they like? Can they bully the medical team and say, "No, put me back in the game," or is it like, can the medical team say, "No, you're injured, you're absolutely not going back"? Because what if these players are insisting you put them back in the game? It's a good. It's a good question, Joe. Thank you for the phone call. I'll answer your question. Look, Joe brings up a great point. The player is always going to want to play. I don't care if you're in high school, junior college, Division three, Division two, one double A, NFL, CFL, XFL. It does not matter. Football player is always going to want to play. And that's where we live in this gray area, particularly in football, where we have medical staffs that can look at a guy and know that he's injured, but the guy is always nine times out of ten, to answer your question, Joe, nine times out of ten, that player is always going to say, I want to do this, because the player is wants to play. The player wants to play. That's always the case, but it's the medical staff's responsibility to protect the player and also to protect the team. Because how are you helping the team by putting a guy out there that's got a, a hurt knee? How are you helping your team? It's unbelievable to me. But this medical staff, you're right, Joe brings up a good point. Could the could the player kind of bully, right? Kind of say, oh, I got this. No, a player, I've seen it all the time. I've seen it in high school. I've seen it in college. I've seen it in the pros. I've been on those sidelines before reporting. You see those guys, they go, I got this. Coach, I got this. Put me back in the game, coach. I got it. And Mark Ingram's a team first kind of dude. So he's not going to feel like he left down his team. Who's the one that apologized for losing the game for the Saints? It was him. He didn't let us know about the injury, by the way. We have to find that out the day after. Let's head out back to the hotline. Welcome on Hart to the show. Hart, I got about a minute, bud, but it's yours. Good morning. Morning, morning Ray. I know it's kind of early and people haven't had their cups of coffee yet, but uh, why, why haven't people woken up to the fact that this is an ongoing thing for a long time? This isn't just from this past year or this current year with Jameis and Michael Thomas. This goes back all the way to Delvin Bro, that it nearly cost him his life, not just his career. I'll, I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. That's a great point, Hart. Thank you for that. Have a tremendous day. By the way, that was also a different medical staff. This has been a recurring issue with the Saints through multiple medical staffs where they are misdiagnosing players' injuries, they're ignoring players' injuries, or they just don't know what they're doing. I don't know if it's incompetence, whatever it may be, but they're not getting the job done. How is putting a guy with a torn MCL back into the game. Now, obviously, they ran the test later to figure out that he had a torn MCL, but I'm pretty sure you could tell him rolling around on the ground he's injured. Why isn't he not taking off the next series to at least have time to evaluate to see if he's going to be okay? Like, the medical staff's got to step in and go, Coach, he ain't good. He's not good. Take away player safety once again. Take away player safety and the concern of actually protecting the player. Take that away. How are you putting guys back into games that are injured? Because if you have an injury, that means you're dealing with pain. If you're dealing with pain, which means your thought process is disrupted, you're not 100% focused because you're worrying about the pain. How does that help your team?
The answer you're looking for, it doesn't. And this has been a longstanding issue with the Saints. we got to take a timeout. Great phone calls, great discussion. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Ah, the World Cup is back, and you can watch thrilling action on Delta Media's Telemundo Lafayette free over the air on KLWB Channel 50.3 and Cox Channel 19. And for all of our friends over in Lake Charles area, not to worry, World Cup can be seen on Telemundo Lake Charles free over the air on Channel 19.2 and Sudden Link Channel 137. That's thrilling World Cup action right here on Delta Media. Poll question of the day with the Pelicans in first place. Are you now buying them as a legit contender right now? 56% of you say yes. 36% say maybe. Still holding out. Want to see you get a little bit more consistent. That's how I feel like Darren probably voted. And honestly, that's how I voted too. Because Darren and I actually have similar trepidation. I, I need to see them play a longer season. I, I need to see this go on longer and then be healthy together. 8% of you come out and you're saying, no, not today. None of that. So keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. No need to get sideways, okay? Be none of that. Whew. Good first hour, good phone calls, good discussion about Pels and Saints. We're going to kick off hour number two. Talking a little basketball. John Aiken, second-year head coach of the McNeese men's basketball team, will help us kick off hour number two. That's coming up next. But after that, we'll be taking your phone calls as well. You're listening to The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, they're in first place in the Western Conference standings with last night's win over the Detroit Pistons and the Phoenix Suns getting clobbered by the Boston Celtics. It's still early, but you can't help but not be impressed with what they're doing down in New Orleans. Even with B.I. and Herb Jones both missing time, this team has won 10 of 12 and five straight. Are they a legit contender? That's our poll question of the day. Do you believe the Pelicans are a legit contender? Yes, no, or maybe? Go vote on the poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. Right now, though, we're going to stay on the hardwood. We're going to talk a little McNeese men's basketball with the man in charge of the Cowboys program in his second season at the helm. Our old friend John Aiken joins us here on RP3 and Company. Coach, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. How are you guys? Doing well, doing well, coach. So let's just let's just talk right here 
you know, uh, obviously it's been kind of an up and down start to the season. There, there's been some games that you would have liked to have had back, but you did get a win on Monday to kind of help build up some confidence. How would you evaluate uh, your team right now at this point? Yeah, you know, we've had a, a rocky start. We had the tournament here in Lake Charles that, um, you know, our, the first couple games, defensively we weren't very good against Western Carolina. Uh, offensively we weren't very good against Lindenwood and made some adjustments to the lineup as we went through that weekend and uh, eventually went to Trey English as our full-time point guard. Really, he's playing 30-some minutes a game. And ever since we've made that change, uh, we've played a lot better. We beat Lamar the last game of that tournament. And then, you know, we went on the road and we played Baylor, who's really good. Uh, I thought we battled with them. We played well in the first half, uh, ran out of gas in the second half. Then we went to Tennessee Martin, and I thought we did everything we were supposed to do to win the game, just to make free throws. And then, obviously, you go to Tennessee Knoxville, and they're a powerhouse. But we're playing better. Uh, our guys are doing some good things. I, I told people, really, from the beginning of the season, we were – uh, installing a new defensive system, a matchup zone that's very intricate, difficult to learn. Um, and so what I've seen through these first few weeks of the season is our guys continuing to buy into it day in and day out. Uh, I think we could have scheduled a little bit easier in terms of scheduling some non-ones to make the record a little bit uh, make the record look a little bit better. But ultimately, I don't know that we would have learned the lessons we needed to learn. Uh, as early as we did with the zone uh, and also just a per- some personnel stuff. So I really like where we're at. Obviously, we've got a, a really tough trip coming up, going up to Iowa. We leave this morning to head up to Northern Iowa and Iowa State and then get to come back. But uh, I like where we are. I think we've got a really talented group and uh, excited about what these next few weeks can bring for us. Let's, let's talk about uh, English and your decision to kind of move him over into that role why did you think he had the skill set to be able to handle that? And why did you decide to make that decision? Yeah, you know, Trey had a really good end to the year for us last year, and he's really talented. He's got he's got all the skill to be a point guard. Uh, the thing about Trey is his mentality to be a point guard. He really likes – he really thinks score a lot, which he's really good at, obviously, at – 29 at Tennessee Martin. Uh, he has the ability to really score. Uh, at the point guard position, obviously you need to be a guy that can get others involved and kind of stir the pot. Um, and so we had been trying to allow him to be off the ball where he could be more of a scorer. And eventually after the Lindenwood game, I actually brought him into my office the next morning. I said, hey, man, here's what I need from you. I need you to do – these certain things uh, at the point guard position, this team needs you to do that. I've talked about it to the team, talked about his daily approach, what it needed to be like as a point guard, uh, and just challenged him to try to meet that standard, and he agreed to it. And so uh, we, we made the decision, and he just is so he's so talented offensively, um, especially if he shoots the ball like he's shooting it right now. If he makes a three at a – 35% to 40% clip, he's going to be really hard to deal with. And so I'm excited about what the team can be as we build around him. Now it puts a lot of pressure on him on a day-to-day basis, uh, which he needs. And so uh, excited about it. But, yeah, he is a really, really talented kid. And as he continues to grow, um, he could be a guy that 
could hold down that spot for a while if we can't get Rashad Bolden back healthy. What's the latest on, on Rashad's status? I mean, are you hoping to have him back by the time you open up conference play uh, against Lamar, Coach? That's the hope, but, you know, we just haven't really got any solidified answers uh, on what's going on with the shin, and so we're continuing to get images and tests, and he've done, he's done some different testing things, and so we're just kind of still up in the air. We're hoping that we could get him back, but uh, he changes our team if we have him. He's a, a true point guard, and he really understands the game. He thinks like a coach, so if we could get him back, it'd be huge, but at this point, I don't have any real timetable, so we're just going with what we've got, and the guys we've got are good enough to win some games. We're talking with John Aiken. He's the second-year head basketball coach for the McNeese men's basketball team. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. They're gearing up. The Cowboys are for a road trip up to Iowa, northern Iowa, and then Iowa State. Those will be those back-to-back games that the Cowboys will be taking on in non-conference play. Coach, you know, we mentioned, you know, Trey and his ability to kind of switch over to that point guard role for you, and you're still waiting on Rashad and and what he can do for you. But, you know, Christian Shoemate, uh, he showed some great potential last year for you. I know he was preseason honors heading into this season, the young man formerly at Tulsa and originally from Chicago, Illinois. Just talk a little bit about his development from last year to this year for your team? He's really taken on kind of a leadership role. Uh, I have to give credit to Kellen Taylor, who we had last year. Kellen really took Christian under his wing last year and really mentored him and taught him a lot um, how to go about your day-to-day approach, how to show up to practice every day, how to attack the weight room. And so Christian has really brought – a different approach this year in terms of his mentality, uh, his awareness to what he needs to do to get better, uh, how he has to show up every day. Your best player has to has to have good practices every day. And so he has been that. He doesn't take days off. He really doesn't take reps off. Um, you know, he's averaging a double-double through the first how many ever games we've played. And uh, I think he's only going to get better and better. The thing – it's the dangest thing. I hate it for him, but it's like he's got the yips a little bit at the free throw line. He he shoots the free throw great in practice. Uh, we we shoot free throws more than probably anybody in America, and he shoots it well. And then he's just in games, he's missed some. But when he gets to be even just a sixty percent free throw shooter, like he did the other night on Monday, um, he's going to be a guy that averages probably eighteen and ten or eleven points a game, and. Um, you know, I think early in the year, you go from being a role player last year. He was obviously a really good role player, being an all-conference guy. But now, having really a lot of the recognition, the preseason all-conference tag, um, I think early he was probably trying to press a little bit too much, led to some turnovers, led to some bad decisions, trying to be someone he didn't have to be. Um, and so he is settling down. He's realizing he can just be him, and that's good enough. And so the team – is really rallied around him. I think he's going to have a, a really good South and Conference season. Uh, he does so many things for us. I think he's. I think right now he's like seventh in the country in rebounding or something like that. So he's going to have a, a, a really tremendous year, I do believe, and I think he's going to prove to be one of the better players in our league. You mentioned earlier the decision to kind of switch up your defense and uh, this mm-hmm. off season. 
going to uh, tweaking in that zone defense that you went to. What was the thought process behind that? Was it based on the personnel that you you had coming back, or was it just something that you saw after last season that you needed to go to that style of defense to be able to compete for a Southland Conference championship? You know, it's a couple of factors. When I was at Tennessee Martin with Heath, we went to a matchup zone uh, our second year, and we won a lot of games. Ultimately, won the West Division, went to the championship game of the Southland or the uh, OVC tournament and had a lot of success in that zone. And then when I went to work with Richie Riley at Nichols State, he had asked me to kind of bring it with me uh, to help him install it, and we did our first year. We installed it, and it was really good. Uh, We had some injuries, and the thing about the matchup is you have to play really hard, and you have to have really high IQ understanding of, like, really what's going on in the zone, who's – who's in your area, who you're matching to, which can change, obviously, within a possession and possession to possession. Um, And so we went away from it later in that year. But Heath and I had always talked about bringing it to McNeese, just never did. Um, And so, you know, in the offseason, I had an open spot on staff and was just kind of talking to Coach Moynihan and Coach Gray about what we wanted to do and I really had a conviction that I wanted to go to the matchup zone. Uh, I felt like it'd be something that would be good. Once you get into conference play, it's different. It's something that people have to prepare differently for. And so I went and hired a guy named Brandon Shingles, who had been at Chipola Junior College, with really the the maestro, the architect of the matchup zone. Donnie Tyndall had been his head coach at Chipola. He had played under Donnie. And so I hired Brandon really – um, one, because he's a great guy and he really knows the game. Uh, he's been really good for our point guards. He was a professional point guard for several years. Uh, but two, because he knew the zone in and out. And so uh, we've really been working on it, installing it. Uh, it's starting. I thought it was really good against Tennessee Knoxville. I thought it was really good against Lamar. I thought it was pretty good against Lindenwood. Um other games, like I thought Western Carolina wasn't very good, and that was for a lot of different reasons. But as we get more comfortable with it, I do think you're going to see a lot of growth. I think we're going to work on some different presses back to it. Uh, this is my favorite time of year. You know, guys are out of school and finals are done, and now we get to really lock in and focus on ball for a couple of weeks and um, get to tinker with some things. And so this is the best time of the season. You get to see a lot of growth. And I think our team's going to see a lot of growth in that zone uh, over these next few weeks. And I'm excited. I think we're going to get some good results here um, with a home game next week and, you know, going to Southern Miss. I think we've got an opportunity to to pick up um, some momentum, and hopefully that momentum comes with wins. But I do think we've got a chance to get playing better as we go into conference play. Wrapping up our conversation here with McNeese men's basketball coach John Aiken. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. All right, Coach, I want to talk about that schedule because you kind of touched on it, and and I look at it, and it is filled with a bunch of world beaters, man. I mean, uh, not only do you play some really good mid-major programs, and you've already done so. You mentioned UT Martin in Western Carolina. You've already played Baylor. You've played Tennessee. You're going on the road for a game against Northern Iowa, Iowa State, perennial NCAA tournament teams. You host UL, which is a preseason favorite to win the Sun Belt. You have to play at Southern Miss, and then you have to play at number one ranked Houston, and that's all before you start conference play. So my question to you is this. I understand 
why teams from the Southland Conference and from that level have to play those games. I understand the logistics and the financial ramifications of doing so. As a coach, though, how do you kind of balance the fact that you're playing against tough competition that can help you get you conference ready, get you tournament ready, but the same hand deal with the likelihood of having losses against that competition and not letting your guys, a young guys, kind of get down and defeated by the losses? How do you do that? How do you balance? Yeah, I think it's a it's a difficult balance. Obviously, one as a coach, um, you you want your record to look really good, and you want to win a bunch of games. But two, you want to challenge your team, and you want to you want to have a real idea of where you stand. And so, for me, um, even when I was at the NAI level as a head coach at Bellhaven, I scheduled really tough. I would schedule a lot of top twenty five teams um, in the with the idea of trying to prepare our team to the best of our ability for conference play and to, to be judged against the best. Um, you know, James Landrino is a guy I really look up to. And uh, if you look at James Landrino's non-conference schedule, it is always full of world beaters, kind of like what you're talking about with ours. I mean, he's always playing the Baylors and the Oklahomas and the LSUs and the ULs. And I mean, his schedule is always stacked. And so, I really do think that that pays off when you get into conference play. Um, the thing that, you know, we talk every day with our team, not just about basketball, but about life lessons. And a couple of things that we've talked about this year, one, are blocking out the noise. Like there's going to be noise from your parents. There's going to be noise from people in town. There's just going to be noise, and you have to learn to block out the noise and lock into the process and lock into – what we're doing on a day-to-day basis. Are we getting better? Do we see improvement uh, in some of the areas that we're trying to get better at? Like us going to Tennessee, Knoxville, and getting 18 offensive rebounds, the last team to get that many offensive rebounds in Knoxville, Tennessee, was Auburn in 2017. And so for us to be able to get that many offensive rebounds, which is something that we have a huge emphasis on, if we can do that against them, then we should be able to get our goal of 15 each and every night in the Southland. And so you're able to judge yourself on certain metrics each night. And then ultimately, you know, the hope is for me in this program that when we are playing the UT Martins and the, you know, ULs and Southern Misses, uh, that we'll all be coming to our place next year, that when we play them in our place or at their place this year, that we'll be in situations to win those games. And when you win those games, I think it really elevates your program that you're at a different level because you're getting some non-conference Division One wins against really quality opponents. And so we're hoping that that will be where our program elevates to. Hopefully that's this year um, where with these next few games coming up that we find some wins. Um, but if it isn't this year, hopefully within the very near future, we do win some of these non-conference games against really good mid-major teams, and that propels us into – being a really strong team in the South and conference as we get into conference play, but I'm always going to challenge us. I'm fortunate to have this job and um, I want to play against the best teams we possibly can and put ourselves in position, put our players in position to play really good teams each and every night. And so it's, it's not always pretty, but I'm fortunate to, to be in the situation and I'm, I'm able to handle the heat a little bit, and teach our guys through the ups and the downs of the non-conference. Coach, we'll get get you out of here with this, brother. 
I know your team had to deal with the flu. It's been going around not only in Lake Charles, but in Acadiana and all of Louisiana and the entire country. Uh, are you guys uh, back to being fully healthy, not only with the flu issue, but also with your bigs, your big fellas down low? Are you, are, is everyone going to be good to go for this road trip to Iowa? I, I think we're actually bringing everybody, which is good. I mean, we went to Tennessee with nine scholarship players actually on the trip. Um, I think we're actually going to travel 11. Rashad will not travel, but uh, I think Malachi and Ty are going to travel, and they're going to. I think Ty will be able to play. I'm hoping he practiced yesterday. Good. Um, Mal, we're waiting on. Uh, Zach Scott is back, which is big. Obviously, we need Zach back. We missed him uh, at Martin, especially. But I do think we'll be close to uh, fully loaded with the guys that are healthy and eligible to play right now. Hopefully, Ty. And, Mal will get going, um, but yeah, we're, the flu is out now. It's just kind of dealing with some little nicks and pains. But I think the flu, we survived that. That was a, a heck of a time coming back from Tennessee. We we took about four days off just to. It's almost like a COVID pause. I told everyone to go away and get away from each other and come back so that we could try to get healthy. We'd only practice one time before we played Ecclesia the other night after we got back from Tennessee just because so many guys weren't feeling good. So I think we're past that, hopefully. Well, glad to hear that, Coach. Best of luck on your road trip up to Iowa, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you, brother, man. You do a great job. I always appreciate being on. That's John Aiken, McNeese men's basketball coach, joining us here. So they've battled the flu, got that behind them. You heard him say, got a couple of the big guys. They're going to be coming back, going to get some playing time on this road trip when they have to go play Northern Iowa tomorrow night and then Iowa State. So two tough games for the Cowboys against two perennial NCAA tournament teams. we got to take a timeout. When we return, we'll update that poll question of the day. Open up those phone lines as well. Game hotline is open. Love to hear from you. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Want to join in the discussion with RP3? Then just give us a call on the hotline. You know the number. 2-4-9-5-6-7-8. I can't hear you. You're trailing off. And did I catch a niner in there? Were you calling from a walkie-talkie? No need to be embarrassed. Just call us at 337-706-0111. Back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Brian's Jewelers and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. I mean, I know it was a popular Whitney Houston song, I Want to Dance with Somebody, but I pretty, for certain, it's also the mantra of Hannah Five Games. 
She's dancing right now. You can't tell because she didn't put the camera on her. But she's dancing right now as we speak. <laughs> Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. With the Pelicans in first place, are you now buying them as a legit contender? 60% of you are optimistic this morning. You're saying yes. 33% say maybe. You got a little trepidation. 7% say no. JPK, the OD, says yes, enjoying the season. Team is very deep. If the big three stay healthy, we are a tough out. Even with one or two out, we're still tough. But what I'm really waiting on is the inevitable Lakers meltdown. Show me that lotto pick. And he shared a gif of John Stewart eating popcorn. <laughs> oh, man. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on Jamie, a.k.a. Mr. Green. Good morning, sir. What's on your mind, my friend? Good morning, Mr. The Third. I don't want to dance with nobody. I got two left feet and right shoes, my man. <laughs> Come on. I hear stories. There's a, I hear the, the legendary stories of you back in the day in Natchitoches. The electric slide comes on, and you just take over the dance floor. I don't know why you're trying to deny it. Man, I never learned the electric slide, but the cha-cha slide, I'll get out there and do the cha-cha slide. Yes! <laughs> Cha-cha-cha. There it is. There it is. Uh, what's on your mind, bud? Look, I wanted to go in on the Saints, and then if I have time, I'll, I'll touch on my fandom with the Pelicans. But, uh, look, the Saints' losses just keep coming, man. The, the incompetence of coaching, the incompetence of the medical staff, the incompetence of the play on the field. Like, what is going on? It's like they hired a, a soccer team's medical staff. You know, the guys who, like, they see the dude go on the ground. They get out that little magic spray, and all of a sudden, those soccer players are like perfectly healthy. Like maybe <laughs> NFL needs to invest in that magic spray stuff because that's that's insane. Um, I just I don't understand. It, it, and like uh, one of your callers pointed out earlier, it's not just a, a current thing. This has gone back years and years and even more years. I mean, I, I just I don't get how you can. Keep doing the same thing and expect different results, Dennis Allen. Um, so I, I just – it worries me for the Saints. Even though I'm a Buccaneers fan, it still worries me because Saints are people too. So, you know, I, I just don't understand how they can, can can justify year after year, oh, well, yeah, he was hurt, but – no, 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 no. And he, and, he's hurt. And Jamie, and, Jamie, here, here's the other thing that hurts the franchise. You've had all these issues, you know, the Delvin Bro situation, Michael Thomas multiple times. Now we got this Mark Ingram situation and, and Jameis Winston just this year alone, right? Thomas, mm -hmm. Winston, and Ingram now all in the same season. You lose the trust of the player. And then what's going to start happening when that happens, when you lose the trust of the player, when they don't believe that you have their best interests at heart, then they stop playing for you as hard. Then they start protecting themselves. <clears throat> then they start saying, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And there's a level. And when that distrust sets in, and I think you're seeing it already set in, that's hard to get back. And that's something well, I, that can be more damaging than losing a Monday night football game. And it goes further than that, if you think about it. It goes further than just the players you have currently on your roster. It goes to future players, too. Word gets around. And some of these some of these free agents that you might have a shot at signing are going to go. Well, if I get hurt, I'm going to get misdiagnosed. I don't know that I want to do that. 
Correct. You know, and they'll go to a, go to another team. But the bright side is the New Orleans Pelicans. As a lifelong Pelicans fan of the last three years, um, <laughs> I, I just I can't get over just the night and day from this time last year to this time this year. I mean, last year nobody believed in them. Of course, they they ended up making the play in and everything, but nobody believed in them, and, and everybody was saying, "Oh, Zion Williamson is going to go." play for the Knicks or he's going to go here or he's going to go there and he needs to get out of New Orleans because New Orleans is just trash and da-da-da-da-da. And my, how the turns have tabled. And so uh, I am excited about the Pelicans. And, uh, you know, I, I've never been a huge NBA guy. I just, like I said, I started following the Pels a couple years ago. And this is awesome. Like, it, it's it's really a lot of fun to just, to just watch them play and just see how they – Really, they seem like they're just—I don't want to say like love, but there's love there, and they're playing for each other, not with each other. If that makes any sense, that makes perfect sense, Bud. You may not be a lifelong fan of the NBA, but you are a lifelong fan of the cha-cha. So the cha-cha slide. <laughs> Appreciate right. the phone That's call, right. Bud. Enjoy your day, brother. Y'all have a great day. Jamie brings up a good point. You start having distrust. If you start getting a rep for being an organization that doesn't take care of their players, mm, that begins to snowball. It does. Now, sometimes you can overpay for guys and put guys' mind at ease because of the way you designed the contract. And that happens. And look, there's always going to be somebody that's going to sign the contract to come play for you. Always. But you do worry about that. And I just don't understand. I just don't understand. Like, like The Ingram situation on Monday night is a microcosm of what's been going wrong with the Saints. Like you allow Jameis Winston to play with stress fractures in his back. What? Say that aloud again. You allowed Jameis Winston to play with stress fractures. You put Mark Ingram back into a game when he clearly was in pain. Clearly had an injury. Once again, I'm not a doctor, but I can look. And when I see a grown man, a professional athlete, wincing, rolling around in pain on the ground, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, hey, he's probably injured. Just going to take the big leap there and say that. But I don't get it, man. There's something just not being done properly within the Saints organization. There's something amiss that's wrong with the organization. we got to take a timeout. When we return here, we're going to talk a little Major League Baseball. Winter meetings, man, that's always when things heat up. The Yankees got their man, Aaron Judge, coming back, nine-year deal a bazillion dollars, essentially, because that's how much money gets thrown around these days. We'll talk about that coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. You know how some fellas don't care how they look? I mean, a few of you are rocking sweatpants that haven't been washed in days. 
Ew. Not to worry, my dear unkempt friend. RP3 and company is a judgment-free zone. Hell, sometimes these guys don't even wear pants. I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party. The pants with the pants. Party with pants. Now back to the hopefully fully clothed RP3 on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is what I like to call lovingly stupid money season for Major League Baseball. Winter meetings is always the time where teams throw out stupid money for players. The latest Xander Bogarts, two-time World Series champion, all-star for the Boston Red Sox, agrees to an 11-year, $280 million deal with the San Diego Padres. The Padres, once again, they're like, we're trying to win the offseason. They made it to the NLCS this year. They're trying to build on that momentum. Their payroll is what I assume being in the billions because they already have Juan Soto, Manny Machado, and Fernando Tatis Jr. They just throw money out at people all the time. They weren't able to get Aaron Judge. They weren't able to get some other of the free agents, but they get Bogarts for... 11 years, $280 million. And that signing, by the way, capped a winter meetings for Major League Baseball during which teams signed 18 players, wait for it, for nearly $1.6 billion. That's billion with a B. Yankees, of course, Locked up outfielder Aaron Judge for $360 million. The Philadelphia Phillies signed shortstop Trey Turner for $300 million. Oh, my goodness. So much money. So much money. Just so much money. And you've had other minor deals as well. Kenley Jansen signing $32 million to go to the Red Sox. The closer, formerly of the Dodgers and the Braves. Yet, the Braves, the Dodgers, and the Astros have been kind of quiet this offseason, which is interesting. Still waiting to see what the Strohs do. Adding more pieces in particular, probably a hitting outfielder to their roster as they look to try to win back-to-back. Be the first team since the Yankees to do so. And that's been a minute because it's been a minute since the Yankees actually won a World Series or in the World Series year after year. Speaking of those pinstripers, let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on number one Yankee fan of RP3 and company, Paul. Bud, good morning. You must be feeling great. Not only do you have Aaron Judge locked up, you got your boy Brian Cashman, who's been making all those great World Series moves. He's locked up too. And you got Aaron Boone to lead you to a World Series title back too, bud. No, no, no. I'm going to say about Aaron Boone. Now. We're going to disagree <laughs> with that one. We're going to disagree with that. Skip. Oh, <laughs> man. We got the man back, Judge. There you I go, bud. y'all and Martin them, everybody. Now, Martin don't want to talk all of a sudden. <laughs> we, he was not going nowhere. I knew it. I knew it. Everybody wants to be a Yankee. It's best for his career, for first of all, because what we've done, done for a lot of people's career being a Yankee. That's so true. he knows what's best for him. 
Yep. As well, he we benefit too. Um, even though it's a lot of money for nine years, but I look at it this way: if he can bring us one championship, it's a great deal. Even though if he just brings us one, you know, even that's a lot of money, just got to bring us one. We'll be happy with that, but we need multiple. But it's gonna ball down to the skipper, the type of team they're gonna bring around them. I mean, I love I love what we did. I'm I'm very happy. I know you happy, my Yankee buddy. You very happy. <laughs> you this as man. happy as me. <laughs> this man. Look, I think it's a smart move. He obviously wanted to be a Yankee because the Padres and the Giants both offered more money, right? So he yeah. left money on the table to go back to being a Yankee. He loves being a Yankee. Yeah. And and, yeah. and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, the Yankees yeah. still have money to spend. And, and once again, yeah. I've told you this before, Aaron Judge is special. But yeah. that skipper of yours yeah. I, is not. I, I, hey, look, I agree. And, I, and I'll be honest, hey, I think we had zero shot if we didn't have Judge. Oh, he gives oh, yeah. us a, a big shot, you know, because he goes to the wrong team or any team. You know, he's going to raise the bar for them, and we, we, we go down to the slumps. So, no, nah, they, they had to sign him. Absolutely. That would have been, been the worst move ever in Yankee history if they didn't sign him. They, they, I think they'd have ran that owner out of town. And all the whole yeah, organization, because, you ask me. Because but it's I, not I, a situation, uh, Paul, it's not a situation for the Yankees as, oh, they missed out on getting a free agent. This is their own right. guy, right? So exactly. th- th- this is a guy who's been he's a Yankee. you got to keep that guy. Yes, he's the face. And he deserved it. He won MVP, you know, home runs. He was healthy last year. So, I mean, hey, let's just hope he can stay healthy, bring us a title. I mean, we we got that. We we got we got we got some players. We have some players. We just got to add to it. Our pitching definitely got to get better. Lord Jesus, the pitching got to get better. <laughs> Woo! We, we, oh, we definitely got to get better against them cheating Astros because they got our number. It, it's I think they, it, like foot C, the Piper, which I don't think exists. The Braves had to take a foot, um, get to the back of the bus, and the Astros taking the back to the bus. This is our year, man. This is our year. I love your I really optimism. It. And it'll be your year as soon as Aaron Boone's fired midseason. They <laughs> uh, <laughs> let go a long time ago. But quick change. Now, you talking about the Saints, about the organization. I don't know if you saw, if you didn't, one of the fans, it was on Twitter, one of the fans telling um, Loomis the situation, hey, you got to do better in all of this. Got to make changes, fire the coach and all of that. I don't know if you saw the tw- on Twitter. Uh-uh. Oh, well, I'm about to send it to you, man. Loomis was right there. It was right there. He was telling them, and Loomis wouldn't say nothing. Loomis was just on um, walking, and everybody walking. You could see Loomis was mad. That was at the um, Bucks game. You could see Loomis was mad. Oh, man. So, I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to check that out, brother. I appreciate the phone call, bud. Definitely. Have a good one. Great Yankee day. <laughs> man, it says it's a great Yankee day. Great Yankee day. Now, look, if you're the Yankees, you got to make that move. You, you – the homegrown kid, the face of the franchise, you can't let walk. You just can't. This isn't you trying to get a free agent to come be a Yankee. Okay? This is one of your own, your homegrown guys. You can't let that guy walk. You just can't. And obviously, Judge wanted to stay because he left money on the table. Now, when you get to that point, <laughs> as much money as they're paying Aaron Judge, you know, you know, what's another $40 million? But... He's going to stay. He's going to stay a Yankee. I'm being told we have another caller. I'm going to assume it's Martin. It's the vice chancellor of Erath joins us. Good morning, bud. How are you? Oh, buddy, I'm doing good and doing good on this glorious, glorious, glorious Thursday. Now, it's I glorious. Time out. Time out. 
How's it glorious when your Red Sox lost Bogarts to a massive deal to the Padres? That's still a glorious morning for you? It's still glorious because, I mean, I expected them to do that kind of stuff, just like they they got rid We get rid of all our talent, okay? But (laughs) like I always say, I'm also an Astro fan, okay? And – I, it's not even spring training yet, and that boy done lost his, his marbles already, that Yankee fan. Thinking that they're going to win the World Series now just because they re-signed Judge. That don't make no difference that they signed, they re-signed Judge. Not a difference in the world. Are they, still a, are they a better team than the Astros? No. Ain't nobody want to go play with them Yankees. Because if you want to win a World Series, you play with the Astros or the Red Sox, plain and simple. But it's not even spring training. The man's already lost his own mind. <laughs> but uh, and the only reason why it's glorious is because my Cowboys are doing good for the time being. You know, or we them boys. I don't know. Let let the playoffs come around. Let's see what we do in the playoffs. Let's win a couple of games in the playoffs. Then I'll do my evaluation. But I appreciate you taking my call. And have a good one, my friend. You too, brother. Projected opening day Major League Baseball tax payrolls. This is from Spotrack. Mets, $300 million. Yankees, $261 million. Phillies, $241 million. Braves, two twenty-five. Angels, two hundred twelve. That's a lot of money to not even sniff the playoffs. Padres, $205 million. Blue Jays, two hundred. dollars Rangers, one ninety-nine. Astros, one ninety-seven. Dodgers 189. Mets, Yankees, Phillies, Braves, Padres, Blue Jays, Astros, Dodgers have been in the mix the last three to four years in the playoffs as contenders. The little MVPs, the Angels and the Rangers, spend a lot of money not to be. Just because you spend money does not mean that it's going to result in victories. Some breaking news to tell you about that happened just in the last 15 minutes or so. Brittany Griner, former Baylor national champion, WNBA star, has been released. Uh, ESPN is reporting that U.S. officials say that Russia has freed the WNBA star Brittany Griner in a prisoner swap with U.S. releasing Russian arms dealer So it has happened. It's a one-for-one prisoner swap swap for arms dealer that the U.S. had in custody. So Brittany Griner is coming home. So that is happening. That has happened. That news broke in the last half hour. So former Baylor and WNBA star is coming home after being imprisoned in Russia. we got to take a timeout. When we come back, we'll wrap up. Hour number two, update that poll question of the day. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and so much more. But did you know that it can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. Ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Poll question of the day, 
with the Pelicans now in first place in the Western Conference, are you now buying them as a legitimate contender? 59% of you say yes. 33% say maybe. 8% say no. Let's get to some comments here on Facebook. Grant Bergeron says, Pelicans don't shoot the ball well enough, and that will show up in the playoffs when defenses clamp down and they stop letting them get to the basket so easy. That is a good point because you you you, sent, you tend to see teams start playing defense more in the postseason where they don't let the easy buckets go. So that is a fair assessment. That's something they're going to have to definitely improve upon. Brian Guidry says, yes, they will only get better. And Jerry says, yes, with the efficient comment. I love the efficient comments. They're absolutely amazing. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter, and of course, we'll share them throughout today's show. Two hours are down, but not to worry. We got one glorious hour still to come. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News will join us in about a half hour to talk all things NFL. George Faust from KFY will come on to talk Louisiana Raging Cajuns and preview high school state championship games. VC plays tonight. STM tomorrow. But we're going to kick off hour number three with Les East. We're going to talk New Orleans Pelicans and we're going to talk New Orleans Saints. That's all coming up next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, 8.03 on this Thursday morning. Be careful out there. Still some patches of dense fog throughout southwest Louisiana. So make sure you are being safe on the roadways this morning as you're making your commute to both work or school. Good show so far. But you know what's about to happen? It's about to become great. Coming up half an hour from right now, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News will join us talking all things NFL. In about 20 minutes from right now, George Faust. From KLFY will help us preview the state championship games and talk a little Louisiana Raging Cajuns. But right now it's time for us to talk Pels and Saints with our good friend Les East from CrescentCitySports.com. Les, good morning, brother. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Raymond. How are you? Doing great, bud. Doing great. Uh, let's start with the positive, shall we? And then we'll get to the Saints. So <laughs> let's start with the positive which is the New Orleans Pelicans. I wake up this morning, and there they sit. Despite not having Brandon Ingram, despite not having Herb Jones, this team wins last night and finds itself in first place in the Western Conference standings. How impressive is this, and how surprising is this, especially considering the guys they've had out in this stretch where they've won 10 of their last 12? Well, it's, it's very impressive and very surprising. I, I... I talked before the season about how I thought there would be an adjustment period with 
Zion Williamson coming back after missing all of last season. I thought it would take some time for them to acclimate themselves to him and to figure out roles for other players, especially with a lot of young players. Um at the beginning of the season and that they would maybe have some rough spots, you know, not even anticipating the injuries they've had and that they would get to the point where, you know, January, February, March, they would kind of figure things out and, and be on a, a an upward trajectory at that point. But now in December, they're kind of where I thought they would be in April. They're, they've just really, they're way ahead of the schedule, at least from what I anticipated. And, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, a realistic goal would be top four in the Western Conference once they got everything together. And here they are, despite the injuries, sitting there at number one, at least for the time being. It's tightly bunched, but they are number one today. And uh, Phoenix is coming to town Friday and Sunday. So we'll see how they match up with the Suns. But uh, I, I think they're probably... Uh, along with the Celtics, the biggest story in the NBA so far. We had question marks about Zion, you know, after not playing last season. How would he look? How long would it take him to kind of grow in? From what I can see so far, Les, it looks like he's evolving, like he's taking that step to the next level, and we're kind of witnessing is witnessing that. That's how I feel about it. What about you? Yeah, he's playing like an all-star, and, you know, I think the absence of Brandon Ingram uh, for several games here has probably accelerated that development because they've needed him to do more than they would have needed if Ingram were in there. And, you know, there were a couple of stretches last night, uh, one in the first half, one in the second half, where he just took over. Uh, the, the Pistons were playing well, and the, the the Pelicans were kind of struggling. And uh, frankly, in the first half, there were some calls he didn't get. And he, he decided to get mad and not uh, not get mad, but get even. And uh, just took over. And nobody could stop him. He did the same thing in the second half when it got close. And he's done that a lot recently. I'm unaware of any human being in the NBA who can stop him from getting to the basket when he wants to get to the basket. Now, if he gets help from one or two teammates, uh, then maybe they can stop him from getting to the basket. There's no one in the NBA who can guard him one-on-one. It just, it just can't happen. During this time, not only has Zion elevated his game, we've also seen Trey Murphy the third, second-year guy who really kind of found himself late in the season He's really stepped up in a big way for this team, and we know him for his three-point shooting, but he's contributing elsewhere. Uh, talk about his progression in year number two under Willie Green. Yeah, that's one of the big things thus far is that he's become a complete player, and I think there's still a lot more that he can do. Uh, he has probably gotten more starts because of injuries to other players than anybody else on the team. So he's been the guy they've generally turned to when Ingram has been out, when McCollum was out, and uh, when Herb Jones has been out. And he's responded extremely well. And, you know, he's the perfect complement for Zion Williamson because when Williamson goes to the basket, they have to collapse the defense to try and contain him. 
and Murphy just stands out there at the three-point line, and if he gets open threes, he's going to hit them as often as just about anybody in the NBA, and yet he's become uh, much better at putting the ball on the floor and getting into the lane, getting to the basket to score. He's rebounding. He's playing defense, and uh, he's just emerged. We saw him at practice the other day working on – with one of the assistant coaches on uh, uh, alley-oops and, and trick dunks. It looks like he's preparing to p- participate in the slam dunk contest at All-Star Weekend if he gets that invitation. So he, he's come a long way in a lot of areas. And speaking of defense, we, sh- we should mention that recently Zion Williamson's defense has, has been greatly improved as well. So th- this team's just growing in a lot of different ways. The other thing that stands out to me when I watch this team play is how they're getting contributions from everyone that's in the rotation. Like Every time all these guys come off the bench, they score, or they help out on defense, or a lot of times they do both. Willie's kind of got this figured out with the rotation, right, Les, where he's putting guys in and they contribute seemingly every single night. Yeah, that's another area where I think they're a little bit ahead of schedule. With all the absences – They've been forced to try different combinations, and I, I think Willie's getting a good feel for for what combinations are working the best. And you know, last night the, the guy who stood out was Najee Marshall. He was tremendous off the bench. I think he had 17 points. He hit some threes. Uh, he played defense. He, he did a little bit of everything, and they needed that, especially after Jose Alvarado uh, was injured. And, uh, you know, and then on Sunday it was Alvarado scoring 38 points and it went just a remarkable performance in that game. And they've just had different people and they, you know, they've had two and three guys miss games and yet Willie continues to go 10 or 11 deep, even when he's missing people. So that's just how deep they are is they can continue to have a 10 or 11 person rotation of effective players even when two or three of their top six or seven aren't even available we're talking with les east he covers the new orleans saints and the new orleans pelicans for christmascitysports.com he joins us here on rp3 and company all right let's talk about the next couple games because they get phoenix twice and the suns were absolutely curb stomped by the boston celtics last night they have been wildly inconsistent, Phoenix is. They're either really, really good or they're really, really bad. There's no in-between. They don't tread water. How important is this two-game set against the Suns this weekend? Well, I think it's a good measuring stick. You know, I think Chris Paul came back last night. He had been sidelined for, I think, 14 games or something because of a, I think it was a heel injury. So I think acclimating him back in, and not being 100%, I think, was kind of an adjustment period, and you don't really want to go through something like that when you're playing the Celtics. So I, I didn't see the game because I was at the Pelicans game, but it was uh, – I, I assume that had something to do with the fact that they got beat so badly. But, you know, the, I think the Pelicans were more competitive with the Suns in the playoff series last spring than – anyone would have expected and now they're competing with the the Suns for the top spot in the Western Conference so this will be a good measuring stick to see how much they've closed that uh, 
gap with the Suns by, by seeing how they perform head-to-head. They played in Phoenix early in the season, and the Suns won without too much difficulty. But I think right now the, the Pelicans are a much better team than they were back then. So I think this will be a good sign. I think it, it probably means more to the Pelicans than it does to the, the Suns. I think there's a pretty good chance we're going to see Brandon Ingram at some point. I think he's probably been targeting these two games for his return. He was on the court a little bit Monday when we were there at the end of practice. So that would give the team a big lift if he were able to play. And certainly if Herb Jones comes back, I don't know if Alvarado will be able to play. But if they can get Ingram back in the lineup, that would be a huge lift. And I just think this is going to be a playoff atmosphere and I think it's going to feel like a playoff game, at least for the Pelicans. And people are excited about the franchise and excited about this team. And really, the city of New Orleans needs that right now, especially with the way the Saints are playing. And let's segue to that. I want to Do we talk. Have to? <laughs> Look, what happened on Monday night was a complete and utter failure on so many levels. Talk about it from your perspective, Les, because you can do so as someone who's covered this team for decades. Just how inexplicable of a choke job was that by the Saints on Monday night versus the Bucks? Well, a couple of things. One, I wrote at CrescentCitySports.com. I think the Bucks did the Saints a favor because I think the longer they stayed in the so-called playoff race because their division is so horrible, uh, the more it masked uh, the problems that they have. And, you know, had they gotten it stayed in the hunt for another few games, maybe even gotten into the playoffs, it would have uh, distracted everybody from the fact that this is not one of the seven best teams in the NFC. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get them back to being one of the top seven teams in the NFC next year. So I think uh, they're better off dealing with reality and not being distracted by um, what what I call the faux playoff uh, possibility. Uh, so that's one thing. But but the other thing is, this is what happens when you have a team having a bad season. Uh, Mark Ingram injures or aggravates his knee injury as he's about to get a first down that's going to enable them to run out the clock and win the game, and his knee uh, buckles on him. He goes out of bounds short of the first down that he should have had easily. He fell down out of bounds in pain, and I hate to question somebody who was injured, but if he just falls to the ground in a, at a different angle, it's a first down. If he puts the ball in his left hand, it's a first down, and we're having a different conversation. But that's what happens when a team is having a bad season. Chris Olave drops a third down pass in the first half that would have provided a first down uh, that, that would have given them at least a field goal, maybe a touchdown. Taysom Hill on third and 17 has the ball in his hands at the end. They would have run out the clock then, uh, but the guy hits him and he can't hold on to the ball. Now, having said all of that, they, they just – failed to execute on those last two defensive possessions for for 11 quarters in Tampa over the last three years. They had Tom Brady totally discombobulated. And then in the last five minutes, everything changed and that they could not get 
a stop when any one play along the way uh, would have given them a victory. So they uh, they fell apart when the game was on the line, and uh, you change any number of any one of half dozen plays, and they win that game. But bad teams do what they did and don't come up with that one play they need to win that game. So it was uh, one of the most distressing losses in franchise history, and yet I think in the long run they're better off by removing this distraction of a potential playoff berth by a team that has no business being talked about as a potential playoff team. I'm I'm glad you brought up the Ingram thing because now we know that he's going to be out for the year because of the MCL tear. And Dennis Allen said, well, he heard it. He tore his MCL on that play when he came up short. But if you were watching the game earlier, the possession before, he was on a similar play and fell down to the ground, wincing in pain, rolling over. And some people are believing that he actually got injured on that play. That's that's when he got injured and the medical staff put him back into the game. So I, I just it just look, I'm not a doctor, right? And I, I I don't try to pretend to figure out if you're injured and what that does to you. And I know when I'm in pain, I lack focus and it changes my whole ability to do anything. So I, that's what I do know. But if that's true, Les, and I, I watched the replay and he's wincing on the ground in pain on the possession before, how is that guy back in the game? If he's wincing, a, a guy that's a vet, a, a guy that's been in the league for more than 10 years who keeps his body in great physical condition, if he's wincing in pain, unable to get himself off the ground on the possession before, why is that guy in the game on a key third, a, a key, a key play? Explain that to me. Well, I can't, and uh, I, I don't, and that doesn't even uh, address the fact that he was sidelined for three or four games until last week with, with a knee injury. So I don't know. You had a, you had a previous injury from October. Yes. You had him going to the ground earlier, and then you have him being injured in that last play. I don't know if there was a second injury in there, if he aggravated the original injury. Uh, they, they, they have not adequately explained the the sequence of events that led to that. So I, I don't know uh, exactly the evolution of the knee injury or injuries. As for him being in the game, I can't explain that either. I, it, it shows a lack of confidence in Alvin Kamara, mm. which I think is justified given the fumbles he's had, given the, the lack of the interest he seemed to have in the game. He did not seem to be running very hard. Uh, but then I, I believe Dwayne Washington was active. I, I suppose they could have gone to him. Uh, at least he was healthy. So so why they chose to go to Ingram, I think, is, is partly uh, a lack of confidence in Alvin Kamara. But I, with the injury, I don't think he should have been in there, and I don't think we've gotten an adequate explanation for uh, how the, the injury occurred and what the genesis of all that was. Ingram injury, Michael Thomas injury, the Jameis Winston for fractures and vertebrae and playing. I know they've changed medical staff in the last couple of years. I want to wrap it up with this. I want to get your insight here because you you have all this experience. 
do the Saints have an issue with their medical staff and on how they look at injuries, how they address players, how they because you know a, a caller asked me earlier, you know, could the medical staff just step in and be like, look, this guy shouldn't go. He wants to go, but he shouldn't go. Like, is there not a grown-up in the room, Les, that steps up and says, we got to protect the player, and you know what? Putting an injured guy in the game also hurts the team. we got to protect the team as well. Is there no one to step up in the room to be the adult here? Well, that's a good question, and it should be – it should always be in the hands of the medical staff. <laughs> you know, when, when there's an injury involved, the medical professional – should always be the one who goes to the coach and the player and says he can or cannot go based on my professional evaluation of his health. And uh, I I don't know if that happened with Mark Ingram. You have to question what happened there. Uh, But as far as the bigger picture, whether they have an issue with the medical staff, that's something that has to be looked into. This is two years in a row. They've had an inordinate number of injuries to key players. Uh, sometimes players are out longer than the original prognosis, and uh, it doesn't always seem like they rehab as effectively as you would hope. So I, I, I don't have enough medical expertise or access to uh, information to make an evaluation of that, but it's certainly something that raises a lot of questions, and we don't have adequate answers to those questions but it's certainly something that uh, needs to be looked into by the front office and you would hope that that would be one of their major priorities in an off season that's going to require them evaluating this football operation from top to bottom well bud you don't have to worry about us evaluating whether you deliver the goods every week because you do my friend thank you for your time enjoy your weekend bud thanks raymond we got to take a timeout when we return here on RP3 and Company, the king of Acadiana Sports Media, KLFY Sports Director George Faust. We're going to talk high school football state championships. We're going to talk a little Louisiana Raging Cajuns. That's next right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, we talk about the sports you know and love. Baseball, football, basketball, and soccer. Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. As you heard me tell you numerous times before, Chris and his team over at LMG, they provide more than show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. LMG also now has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their grout-free shower line. That's right, no muss, no fuss, and guess what? No smelly odor in a couple of years. Don't have to worry about that. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about all the sensational services and the great products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by their renovated showroom located on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day 
Do you believe that the Pelicans, who are now in first place in the Western Conference standings, are now a legit contender? 60% of you say yes, 33% say maybe, 7% say no. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. But right now it's time for us to talk high school football and some Louisiana Raging Cajuns with our guy, the king of Acadiana Sports Media, the sports director of KLFY, George Faust, joins us. George, good morning, brother. How are you? I'm doing great, man. Good morning to you. And uh, you know, it's it's funny. I I don't I I don't usually you know I'm not on the radio at this time. Usually, I'm I'm usually on the afternoons. This is this is a nice switch. Nice nice uh, change of pace. There you go, bud. Christmas came early for you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right, let's get to it. State championships begin tonight. And uh, we have a great opportunity because we have three teams from the Acadiana region that are playing. Let's start with tonight's game, George. VC, they're looking to win their first state championship since 2013. They're taking on Perennial Powerhouse, a Wachita Christian. How do you like this matchup? Oh, it's 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 a tough one. I, so, look, I, I had a chance to talk to Brock, uh, the head coach, Brock Prejean, for the Eagles uh, yesterday. Uh, asking them a little bit. Look, their defense, uh, VC's defense, is kind of where I kind of turn to when I when I look at how they played this postseason. They've only allowed a touchdown in every game they've played, so they've only given up 21 points. Uh, Wachita Christians kind of had a little bit tighter matchups, if you will, when you go through the uh, through the bracket. Uh, I think they won one one of their games by a point. Uh, so it, it, I think. There's a situation there where, you know, if it comes down to being tight, maybe Watchtalk Christian has a little bit of advantage. But, look, I, VC's played, and this will be their third state championship. Every time they go there, they win. So uh, there's no reason to expect that that won't happen again. Uh, <laughs> they they do have a phenomenal defense. You saw what they did against Southern Lab. I mean, they were able to create turnovers and, and turn, the, turn, those, turn those turnovers into points. Uh, I think VC does it again. Uh, it, it's, it's not an easy task. And Coach Prejean brought that up yesterday when I was talking to him. But you know, OCS is always there. You know, they they have the uh, they all they seem to always be uh, at the dome in the state championships. They go deep, make deep runs into the postseason. So they have the talent as well. But uh, I really like uh, what VC is doing. Their their ability to 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 shut down other teams' best options is what kind of seems to make the difference in the game. And uh, and I think that's where it'll be on, uh, well, tonight at 7 o'clock when it kicks off. 7 o'clock kick. You can listen to that game on our sister station, 106.3 Radio Lafayette, the home of the Vermilion Parish Game of the Week. Craig Wall and Ward Corville will be on the call. Let's go to tomorrow, George. STM, they're going to be taking on LCA, a district uh, rematch to perennial powerhouses in the last five years. They're going to be kicking off at noon. That game can be heard right here on the game. Pre-game will begin at 11 tomorrow for the STM-LCA State Championship game. How do you think this is going to go down, bud? Oh, man. Look, I, I, don't, I, I asked Jim Hightower this week. I said, hey, uh, is anybody going to – are the defenses even come, making the trip? Uh, is, does it even matter? <laughs> this game is – so Acadiana has the record. Acadiana High School has the record for 77 points. That's the most points ever scored in the Superdome, ever. Saints, Tulane – whoever, you name it, 77 points, most points scored in a game in the Superdome. Uh, it's also high school football record. 
I think that that record might be in jeopardy in this contest just because of the way the two offenses like to run their things. I, I, asking me to pick this game is very difficult. I can't. I, I don't know that I can do it. I think here's the, here's the breakdown though. Jawan Johnson's a, a superstar athlete, right? I don't know if he's your your tip, prototypical quarterback, but he always seems to make a play. Now, one thing that Jim Hightower did tell me was, you know, he he is prone sometimes to make a bad throw. They just have to capitalize on those bad throws or that uh, when he tries to extend a play, maybe there's an opportunity for a turnover there. Uh, if they can do that, I think STM has a little bit of an edge. But you know this game is going to come – it's going to be close. I mean, the last game was close, right? It was 41-34, something like that. So it's going to – I think Trev Falk does a phenomenal job of preparing his guys and letting them know kind of what the experience is. Both of these teams understand where they're at, you know, and, they, you know, they're not going to walk into the Superdome and be all nod because they've been in this position before. Um I think I give just because the STM won before, won the first game, the previous game, and got the district championship, I give a little bit of an edge to STM. Uh, that's not saying LCA is not going to be able to win the game. I, I, I just think uh, going in, that's the way. If, if we were odds makers here, Raymond, uh, that, that would be the way, the, way, the way it would set up because STM already beat them. It was a neutral site game. Uh, I, yeah, I, it's that's a tough one to pick. I, I'm not picking it. I'm just I'm going to say both teams have a very good opportunity to to put some points on the board. I'll get you out of here with this, but I only got about a minute or so left. Cajuns, they're heading to a bowl game, Independence Bowl, on December 23rd. Great accomplishment for Coach Des in year one, but they're going to have to do it with a couple of stars missing it because they're preparing it for the NFL draft. Michael Jefferson, the wide receiver, and, of course, Andre Jones, the pass rusher. They're both going to be gone. How much of a big deal is that for Coach Des and his team missing those two starters? Oh, I, I think I think the, the Jones miss is, is going to be huge. I saw that and when he posted that. I mean, that guy, he's a disruptive force on the defensive side of the ball, and I think he's done a ton this season to kind of keep the Cajuns in games. And, and so – not having him, I think, is going to be uh, – that That might be exploited a little bit more than uh, the Jefferson uh, loss just because at wide receiver it seems like you have a, a little bit more uh, depth, a little more – there's a lot more uh, – there's more options. Uh, I think defensively we don't know exactly who steps up behind him. But, hey, look, that's what happens. You know, that's the way it goes. Now next man up type mentality has to be there for the Cajuns in those positions. And, uh, and, and hey, this is your opportunity now to, to set yourself up for, for the coming year where you can let Coach Des know, hey, I'm the guy that you need to put right there. And uh, and we'll see what happens. I, uh, the Cajuns, I know they're underdogs in this game, but I, I like the fact that it's in Shreveport. I like the fact that the Cajun fans can make the trip. It's something the Cajuns have never done before, played in the Independence Bowl. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of excitement surrounding that uh, with regards to and – and then, look, it's before Christmas, not on Christmas. Uh, I, I think that's a that's a plus as well. So uh, maybe the fans will, will make the, the short drive up to Shreveport. George, appreciate your time as always. Brother, enjoy the state championships. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds like a plan. I'll be down there tonight. <laughs> that's George Faust.
KLFY sports director joining us here on RP3 and Company talking high schools, championships, and Cajuns. We got to take a timeout when we return. NFL talk with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. That's next right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. RP3 is the epitome of a high roller, constantly making large bets. But by doing that, the minimum bet is a dollar for a win, a dollar for a place, a dollar for a show. So it's essentially a $3 bet. That netted me a cool $6.70. What? Okay, so he's not a risk taker. He's your best bet for sports talk. 19. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Now back to more RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's another two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com this Friday, starting at 10 a.m. You can score yourself a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. That's a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse, and you'll get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com. That's AcadianaDeals.com this Friday, starting at 10 a.m. to get yourself a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only $20. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. New Orleans Pelicans find themselves in first place in the Western Conference. Are you buying in that they are a legit contender this season? Go vote. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now, it's time for us to talk NFL with our buddy Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Vinny, good morning to you, bud. Hope your holidays went extremely well. How are you? Doing well, RP3. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you making the time, bud. So, Let's uh, look. This has been a more perplexing season in a long time. Teams that are typically good have really struggled. Offenses have struggled. We've had a slew of injuries. What's kind of been the thing that stood out the most to you so far about this season as we're 12 weeks in? Yeah, I just think it's offense is not as automatic as we expected. I mean, it's been a passing boom in this league, but. A lot of defenses adjusted, and a lot of defenses we think were going to be bad have been a little bit better, and and that's what happens here. I mean, teams adjust, and they're starting to play a lot of this zone defense for the most part, where they're making teams sustain long drives, and if you can run out of that and uh, throw short passes, you're in good shape. But they're trying to take away the big plays from all these teams, and we're seeing a little bit less offense. So. That's uh, helped these teams maybe that don't have the same explosive offenses like the Giants, uh, for example, or the Jets that are still finding their way there to be more competitive this season. And that's what you're seeing here. The defense is uh, making a little bit of a comeback and helping some of those teams. Let's talk about the AFC North because I think this is wide open between the Ravens and the Bengals. Cincinnati is started to kind of really come on, uh, and they've been able to build up some momentum. They're now tied with Baltimore, both 8-4. and four. Who do you like coming down the stretch to win that division and why? Yeah, I think it's the Bengals. I mean, you look at the way they're playing right now, they're a more complete team. I'm not sure Lamar Jackson wasn't playing all that great anyway, but without Lamar Jackson, I think it'll be an adjustment. I still think the Ravens are going to win plenty, and it seems like, I don't know if they lost last week to the Broncos, but Tyler Huntley still led them to victory there. So they're still fine. 
there's still room for them to get into playoffs as a wild card. They got a key win earlier this season in week one over the Jets. So they've got some of the key wins needed to get in the playoffs. I still think the Bengals have the momentum here. And really, the question is, are the Bengals going to end up with the number one seed? Because they control everything. They've already beaten the Titans and the Chiefs here in back-to-back weeks. If they're able to beat the Ravens and the Bills, they're they're going to be the number one seed. And there's no question about it. And that they'll go through Cincinnati here in the playoffs. So I look at the, that the Bengals team kind of getting hot at the same time as they were last year. Started slow, then eventually caught the Ravens and took the division. For the Ravens, the biggest thing is not free-falling out of the playoffs. That was very frustrating. There's some similar scenarios playing out where the Raiders are making a late push here and uh, trying to get in the playoffs and sneak in there. So the Chargers are still hanging around here. So the Ravens just need to make sure they take care of their business. That means being the Steelers. So that's this week. And they're underdogs slightly in a lot of places in this game. But at the end, they need to win badly here because the Bengals are about to catch them. They're even. It's only by that first game while the Ravens are leading. So they got to make sure they're still in first place by the time they play the Bengals a second time here to ensure that they're going to be in the playoffs. Kansas City falls to Cincinnati, but they still hold a comfortable lead in the AFC West. They look like the they're going to win that division because the rest of the teams really can't get their act together. It's supposed to be the most competitive division in football. I think that now belongs to the AFC East or the NFC East. But you look at the rest of the West, the Chargers are only 6-6, six and six, and the Broncos, who thought they were a quarterback away, are one of the worst teams in the NFL what are those two teams going to do down the stretch? And what are those two teams going to do this offseason? Could we see some big changes for both the Chargers and the Broncos, Vinny? Well, I think the Broncos definitely are going to see some big changes. I mean, I think it's not gone well with Nathaniel Hackett. I think the only reason is they have no new ownership and they don't want to necessarily rattle the thing in the middle of the season. And they're going to probably do it after the season here with Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know what they can do with Russell Wilson. It's going to be hard to do anything with that contract and losing the draft pick. So they've put themselves in a major bind there to try to get out of it. So I think they're just going to have to work through it and maybe get a hire that they might think would work better with Russell Wilson and hope for the best here, knowing that they have a good defense. And when Javante Williams comes back, they'll have a good run game. So they just have to figure things out with maybe different leadership. The Chargers also might be and Staley quite a bit here as a coach, and some of the decisions he makes uh, that are aggressive with the analytics have uh, not worked out in his favor, but I also see the Chargers team, if they had a lot of their people healthy here, uh, if uh, Mike Williams is out there, I mean, that actually has not been too bad, but their offensive line has been destroyed by injuries. Defensive line has been just ravaged here. They lost two of their key pieces that were supposed to dominate Joey Bosa and J.C. Jackson. We lose those two guys. He thought this defense was going to be spectacular. So the injuries are really cutting the Chargers. And I, and I think the Chargers have actually done better than I expected, given all the things that have happened with this team. I thought they had the potential to win this division if everyone had stayed healthy. But that wasn't the case. Justin Herbert played well. So I'll, the Chargers are a little bit uh, more ambiguous in what's going to happen. And I'm not quite sure that it's over yet for them to make the playoffs. We're talking with Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. He covers the National Football League. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. Let's switch over to the NFC. 49ers with Jimmy G at quarterback. 
the way they started to play, they got in healthy, Vinny. They look like a team that may be, when it's all said and done, the best team in the NFC heading into the playoffs. But Jimmy's now out probably for the rest of the year. They have to turn to uh, uh, a very inexperienced young man at quarterback. Do you think the 49ers are still going to be able to maintain and still be a contender? Yeah, I mean, the 49ers should still take care of business. I think next week it goes a little bit dicier because they have to go to Seattle and it's a young quarterback. But Dale's defense also you can run on quite a bit, and that's what the 49ers are going to do here. So, and they really dominated the first matchup. So I think the 49ers are in better shape to just finish this out in the division. They're, they're just a solid overall team, and they can win – a lot of games just with defense in the running game, and I think you'll see that. But Brock Purdy also showed he was comfortable in the system. He wasn't too overwhelmed by what they were doing. And it'll get tougher as teams have seen him play, and they have film on its strengths and weaknesses and all that. But when you look at it, he's a, the job of the 49ers quarterback is to be a facilitator. It's a point guard. Just say, look, we got all these weapons. Let's just get the ball in their hands in the open field. Let them do a lot of uh, damage here. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo did so well. And that's a big reason why the 49ers have had so much success winning games with him. So they're going to try to install that same formula. And the biggest thing now is that there's this moment of optimism that Jimmy Garoppolo could be back to the divisional playoffs. And if you think about that, I mean, the 49ers should feel confident here that they can get to that round and get Garoppolo back. So I, I don't think it's the end of things here for the 49ers. I think, they're just as dangerous. I, everyone's going to be on the Cowboys and Eagles, one of those teams coming out of the NFC, but just don't sleep on San Francisco. They have a strong record when healthy for a big reason. I was going to add, at least me to my, my final question. We've spent so much time talking about the Eagles, talking about Minnesota. They both have double-digit wins. Dallas is right behind them at 9-3. and three. Is San Francisco that other team that could be a possible contender to win the NFC in your opinion? Yeah, I think the NFC is wide open, and that includes the team that you did mention is the Buccaneers. I just see that number 12 there. We saw, unfortunately, what he did to the Saints uh, for a lot of uh, folks there probably listening. That was brutal, right? That was vintage Tom Brady. Again, two possessions late in the game. It seemed like he just made quick work of the Saints defense uh, when they weren't doing anything for the rest of the game. So. That uh, guy is still motivated, and he's still special. So I, I think it is wide open. It's going to come down to a great playoffs. I think you're going to have a fantastic playoffs in the NFC. And uh, it's funny because I, I would have gone in saying, okay, the two teams playing today to, uh, this week, the Bucks and 49ers would have been the favorites here to me in my head and going into the season. Now you get that opportunity here. So I'm excited to see what happens here the rest of the season. But it's going to be, I think, an epic NFC playoffs, especially if you get the back end and something surprises, uh, maybe the Lions get in and makes it even more interesting. Vinny, appreciate your time as always. Brother, enjoy your week. And if we don't talk to you before Christmas, Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend. Yeah, thanks a lot. Happy holidays. We're going to take a timeout. We'll wrap up today's show, get you set up for Kevin Foote and Footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Oh, you can listen to all your Christmas classics, your favorites like Bing and Dean and Nat King Cole and Elvis 
or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. It has it all. That's nonstop Christmas music, 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at LACHristmasChannel.com. That's LACHristmasChannel.com. Or simply download the free mobile app on both Apple or Android devices. And you can also listen to the Louisiana Christmas Channel on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer this season with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. I want to take a moment. To thank our guest on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company, John Aiken, McNeese men's basketball coach. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, talking Saints, talking Pels. George Faust, KLFY sports director, helping us preview the state championship games and talking a little Cajuns. And, of course, Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, talking all things NFL. Poll question of the day. We asked you, with the Pelicans now in first place in the Western Conference standings, are you now buying them as a legit contender? Final results, 61% of you say yes, 33% say maybe, 6% say no. And yes, Martin, you said you're going off topic talking about Aaron Judge, and you did. So there you go. <laughs> Sorry, man. Sorry, bud. Thanks for all who voted and who all left their comments on Facebook and Twitter. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll try to be better tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Up next, Kevin Foot and Footnotes right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.